You're listening to a Shockcast original. Shock. Hello and welcome to the Podball Sportscast, the podcast that's gonna be a blast. Man, I can't believe it took that long for me to think of that rhyme. I am Faisal American, and with me are the other two Stooges, Karami Kamil. Hi. And Nicholas John. Hello. Why am I Stooge number three? In no particular order. <laughs> Now, a lot of stuff happened over the past week. We saw gold medals, wins, losses, records broken, pitch invasions, and even the, a good old military coup. These are a few of my favorite things. <laughs> And how many are going to get that reference? <laughs> you just revealed our age, Faisal. So guys, let's kick off with the uh, tail end of the Tokyo Paralympics. Uh, we won two more gold medals on Saturday. Chia Lekhao won the uh, first ever Paralympic gold medal in the badminton men's singles. Oh wow, he is on a different level, isn't he? He is, Faisal, and it's the first time that the Paralympics organized badminton at the Games. And for all those that did not know, uh, our own Liak Hao is the six-time world champion in the Paralympic badminton. So he did came in as one of the favorites to win gold. Maybe the downside of it is that he is 30 plus years old. So uh, that is just the downside. The Paralympics included badminton quite late in the games. But it's good that he did won the gold medal. And he also did mention something that he doesn't want. He still wants to continue playing, right? Possibly even until the next Olympics. This, despite his age. That. Yes, yeah. he did say that, yeah. And uh, Abdul Latif Romli took the gold medal in the long jump and got himself injured in the process. That is dedication. Dedication indeed. Uh, and then gave us all a bit of a you know, heart attack for, for those watching at home. Uh, for me, I felt this one was like, you know, it, it gave some measure of, relief especially after what happened to to Ziad Zulkifli in the the shot put event earlier up until that point it had been quite a, a heartbreaking campaign for Malaysia in track and field so to see Abdul Latif uh, bring home the gold uh, felt pretty good lah and he did stir a few waves in the social media realm this is from what i see a lot of women kept posting about him i think it's because of his his looks that changed in rio 2016 he was really young he looked kind of young he he looked like such a good boy and now he's like this badass did you see his physique during the tokyo paralympic games he he's like so buff which is why the netizens are all like you know falling over him and and it's also the stash come on it has to be the stash lah as it's well it's the stash as well <laughs> in all we have a uh, three gold medals and two silver this makes it our most successful paralympics yet uh, karam do you think uh, we can top that in the next one Uh, it's going to be difficult, I think, because a lot of our athletes are getting to the later stage of their career. Ziad is what I think is 30 plus now. He's going to be 33 or 34 <clears throat> in Paris. Uh, Liak Hao is going to be about the same as Ziad's age. Latif Romli is going to be a good bet to retain his goal. But other than that, it could be as Suresh could be because he did not perform well this time round being eliminated in the first round. So maybe we can still get two goals from uh, Alatif Rumdi and Suresh. That's my bet. 
Bonnie Gustin is a good bet as well. He's oh pretty young, right? Oh my God, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bonnie Gustin, I forgot about him. Sorry, Bonnie. Okay, so moving on from the Paralympics, uh, football had its World Cup qualifiers. Uh, usually, it's the most boring thing on earth for uh, sports writers. Oh my God, it's the international break again. Uh, but this time, it wasn't so uneventful. Most notably, there was the suspension of Brazil versus Argentina. Okay, so for those of you who are out of the loop, it happened in Sao Paulo. Some Argentina players were accused of breaking COVID quarantine protocols. So uh, authorities stormed the pitch just after kickoff and caused a commotion. Surely, guys, this thing could have been handled a lot better. I think it was an absolute farce the way they 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 handled it. Because if you want to say that, okay, the, the, the Argentinian players broke quarantine, uh, it could have been resolved much earlier. Don't let them play or, or issue like some kind of suspension or something. Why let the players go onto the pitch, actually kick off, and then you go and storm the pitch and then try and stop the game? So that was this absolutely unnecessary, if you ask me. But I think there was a confusion about the ruling that was implemented because I think Argentinian camp said that they were following the Copa America rules that they just need, what, a few days of quarantine, if I'm not mistaken. But unfortunately, the Brazilian government said otherwise. I was watching the match and I was like, did someone commit commit a crime? Why are there police officers on the field? Well, technically, they did break protocol allegedly. So a crime was committed, dude. (laughs) Yeah, but I thought it was like a different kind of crime. (laughs) But you also have to wonder, this was Brazil versus Argentina. If it was Brazil versus Bolivia or, you know, some other team that's not their arch rivals, do you think it would have been handled this way? And I, I don't think so. I have to agree with Nick. I don't think they would handle Okay, you conspiracy theories. Uh, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> okay, well, moving on to another type of uh, chaos. Guinea versus Morocco was also disrupted for another reason altogether. A military coup in Guinea uh, happened in the run-up to their World Cup qualifier. Now, um, Morocco's team was evacuated. And there's good news for Liverpool fans. Uh, Nabi Keita was part of the uh, Guinean team. Initially, he was barred from leaving because um, the borders were closed. That was resolved. He was safely taken out of the country. Is now back in England. It is good news that Nabi Keita came out of the incident unscathed. He could, it could have been far more worse than the current situation, right? So it's good news for yeah, Liverpool, at least. Not just for him, for the other Guinean and, and Moroccan players as well. You know, it's good to see that they all made it out safely. La. Cristiano Ronaldo, um, this is good news for Manchester United fans. He managed to get out of international duty early. He returned to training earlier this week. And uh, there's a chance that he could play against the Newcastle this weekend. There is, but I'm not pretty sure whether he is going to be in the first 11 because he hasn't trained that long with United. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the team and be brought on as a sub. But from an entertainment value point of view, I think it'll actually work in his favour if he comes on as a sub because you imagine uh, he, his number goes up and then the, the, the announcer announces his name and then the crowd goes bonkers. That would be so much better than if he starts the match, you see? I think you're right. And can you imagine if he scored the winning goal or the equaliser, that's going to be like... Oh. From a free kick. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or a penalty. <laughs> or No, he, he, he misses penalties. 
Now, there's this controversial thing going on. FIFA is proposing to hold the World Cup every two years instead of four. It sounds like a money grab by FIFA to me, right? Yeah, it does sound like a money grab because as far as we know, no one has come out to complain about the World Cup being held every four years. So I don't know why FIFA is being you know itchy and pushing for a two-year cycle and all that. It just seems like it's a case of if you hold the World Cup more often, then FIFA gets a chance to make more money from their sponsors and advertisers. You know, So th- that's what it looks like to me. La. I remember uh, reading that the World Cup is FIFA's only uh, major source of revenue. In contrast, you've got UEFA. They host the Champions League. They get money from that. And then there are the Euros uh, every four years. So they make a lot more money than uh, FIFA. So uh, that could be one of the reasons. I, I'm just trying to be positive here. Maybe, maybe, just maybe FIFA just wants the, the fans around the world to enjoy competitive football like twice a year, you know? Because you won't have any breaks if you held uh, the World Cup once every two years and the Euros once every two years. But, but then there's also the, the concern about, you know, World Cup fatigue, so to speak. Like you mentioned, we have the World Cup two years after that, the Euros, and two years after that, the World Cup again. So we we are actually, we've got quite a bit of football content, so to speak, to consume. And like the the UEFA president said, if you hold the World Cup too often, all you end up doing is just sort of like diluting the tournament and making it a little bit less special. And I don't know, I I tend to agree with him. I agree with him too, which is true. I did not say that you guys were wrong about the money grabbing and stuff, but I was just (laughs) trying to be on the positive side, on the right side of FIFA, you know, if they are listening. But there's also clashes, right? Yeah, exactly. If the World Cup is every two years, I mean, so what's going to happen to the Euros? Are they going to hold it every other year as well? And what about the Olympics? Two World Cups will clash with one Olympics, if I got my maths right. <laughs> yeah, so 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 th- there are going to be clashes of some sort. We don't know what's going to happen in, in the future, like with the pandemic and all that. We saw the Olympics had to be postponed by a year and that sort of like threw everything way out of whack. So you imagine if something happens like that again and we need to postpone the World Cup, then what happens? You know, the, the Euros get affected. Copa America gets affected. The Africa Cup of Nations get a, gets affected. So it's messy. That's all it is. And think of the players. Already they're playing a lot more football than they did just 20 years ago. Last season, we had that packed schedule and we saw a lot more injuries than usual. I'm just worried that if this comes to pass, players are just going to drop down with injuries even more often. I think that is bound to happen if this goes through. Um, And we really, as football fans, we really hate to see any player got injured. But back to your COVID situation, I think that was like, what, once in a lifetime experience. I don't think it's going to be it's going to happen again. Like I said, I do, did not disagree with you guys to say saying that the World Cup should be held once every four years. But from a fan perspective, it could bring benefit to the fans, not to the players, and to FIFA, and to FIFA as well. Yes, and right. I think it was Arsene Wenger who suggested the once every two years, right? Yeah. yeah, he's he's leading that that FIFA campaign to try and convince anyone, which is quite rich because back when he was Arsenal manager, he was the one complaining about the Africa Cup of Nations being held every two years and he has to send his players out and all that. And now he's pushing for the World Cup to be held every two years. Well, if the African Cup of Nations can do it every two years, why not the FIFA? <laughs> you pulled that off quite well, myself. <laughs> is that code? <laughs> 
All right. Um, also happening this week is the U.S. Open. The headlines have been dominated by a few teenage players. 19-year-old Canadian Leila Fernandez. Uh, she's made it to the final. Nick, uh, she's knocked a lot of big names in the past rounds, right? Yeah, huge names and, and all at the age of just 19. Uh, she was the one that beat Osaka, right, if I'm not mistaken. So for a young player to come and do that, normally if you beat like one player, you can say, yeah, fluke shot. But she beat quite a number of uh, much higher ranked players than, than than she is to make the final. So it's it's pretty exciting to see what the future holds for her and Raducanu as well. Speaking of Raducanu, um, when I first read about her, my first opinion was... Uh, this is just another promising British player who's being hyped up by the British media for no good reason. But it turns out she's actually quite good. Yeah, she's, she's, she's very good. And, and it's basically very encouraging to see this because it's like the next generation of players coming in and, and taking their place. Uh, I just hope that this is something that they both can keep up because we have seen in the past, especially uh, in, in women's tennis where you have players winning Grand Slams one day and then like six, seven months down the road, they drop off the radar completely and you don't hear about them. <clears throat> Eugenie Bouchard. <laughs> Bianca Andrescu. Although, to be fair, I think in her case, uh, injuries had a lot to do with it. Covering my bases, people. Covering my bases. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you, if you see about Fernandez's performance this, this tournament, I, she knocked out, like you said, Naomi Osaka and Angelique Kerber. And in both those matches... She came back from a set down and I think she's showing that she's not re- ready to give up in each of the matches. I really hope that this is not her only 15 minutes fame, you know? Yeah, a big shout out to um, the men's player, Carlos Alcaraz as well. Um, another teenager who's done well at the US Open and uh, it looks like his biggest opponent uh, at the tournament was an injury. Yeah, quite unfortunate, but also encouraging in a way to see all these young players coming because the question is always asked, you know, when Federer retires, when Djokovic, when Nadal retires, who's going to take over? And you need all these young players coming up in the game. So it's great to see that happening. I agree with Nick. It is great because Djokovic, Nadal, Federer, they have at the top of their game for quite a long time. So it's time for new faces. I think tennis is the only sports that if you're that good, you can really, really be at the top of your game for about two decades, which is good in a way and bad in the other way. Yeah, let's see what the future has in store for these guys. Um, to quickly wrap things up, Formula One is also happening this weekend. Um, and big news in the sport as well. Uh, the worst kept secret in Formula One was finally, finally confirmed. Uh, George Russell is moving to Mercedes. He's going to partner Lewis Hamilton uh, from next year. Yeah, the biggest open secret. I think we've been talking about this since last season. It was quite expected, yes, but in a way it also makes sense because both Bottas was never really able to stamp his mark at Mercedes. You can argue that he made an excellent number two driver alongside Hamilton, but he's simply not good enough to take over when uh, Hamilton eventually retires, which is why Russell was brought in. Uh, and then this one also seems like a no-brainer. Russell is one of the hottest young drivers on the grid other than Max Verstappen. So you can see why Mercedes went for him. Yeah, and um, Bottas uh, will go to Alfa Romeo. He's replacing the retiring Kimi Raikkonen. But, you know, speaking of Russell, I'm, I'm very curious to see what kind of dynamic he will have with Hamilton next season because Russell doesn't strike me as the kind of driver 
driver who's just going to sit back and 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 be content with being the number two driver. He's going to want to fight for race wins. And Hamilton is notorious for not playing well with teammates to challenge him. You know, we saw this with Fernando Alonso and, and Nico Rosberg. So yeah, interesting to see how Mercedes are going to handle their drivers next season. Yeah, exactly. But I think that Russell will lay low for at least one season, right? Follow orders, be a good boy, and then it'll be interesting to see what happens in 2023. Yeah, I think it's a good move. I, and Mercedes could prep Russell uh, right after Hamilton leaves. So he is, I think he has the potential to be the number one driver for Mercedes in the future. I think it's going to be a great learning experience for Russell to be the second driver to Hamilton. And with that, we have come to the end of this episode of the Portball Sportscast. It's been great as usual. I am Faisal American. And I am Karami Kamil. And I am Nicholas Job. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye.